Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, we sit down with John Paul Gulbis. We refer to him as JP and Christian Kalb. And JP has been part of the Rockstar team working with investors here in the GTA and Golden Horseshoe for over a decade. He has been an in, and is an integral part of the team here. I don't even know how many investors he's worked with at this point or how many tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars he's worked um, on investment properties with investors, buying them all across this area. He is an incredible resource to the entire Rockstar team here. Here's one of the coaches here at Rockstar. And one of the members that he works with happens to be Christian Kalb. Christian and JP have worked together for years buying property. And I think the last time they were on the podcast here together, Christian kind of casually mentioned something about getting perhaps a citizenship or a resident status in another country. Well, he's gone off to Panama and done exactly that. And on this particular episode, we break it all down. Why did he choose Panama? What exactly did he get? You hear me uh, reference the word Panamese residency, and that's incorrect. I think it's Panamanian. I think that, that is the proper way to say it. So when you hear me say that, that is completely wrong. <laughs> but I was trying my best there. I didn't realize it was wrong, but now I've learned. Um, so he talks about just the process he went through, the lawyers he used, what he had to do, why he had to fly to Panama for a certain amount of days, how that whole process worked. So I think we can learn a lot from just his experience in doing that and then why he did that what was his thinking to do that so we talk about panama we talk about real estate we talk about some of his crypto ideas we talk about health we talk about just living life on your own terms so in this particular episode i love these kinds of chats because here is someone who is not really going with the norm or what the average kind of way to live is he is marching to his own drumbeat and doing exactly the things he wants to do and I just really love that. So on this episode, you're going to hear him break all this down. We're thrilled that he is willing to come on here and share this stuff because not everybody is. So thank you, Christian, for doing this. Thank you for JP for bringing him on here and, and doing this kind of stuff. And if you are listening to this and you are not yet part of our weekly email newsletter, you're going to miss things like Christian when they pop up. You should be registered for that. If you are not registered for that, it goes out to tens of thousands of investors every week. You can go to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash newsletter. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash newsletter. Punch in your email address there and you'll get a weekly email from us about all the different podcasts that are going on, the YouTube videos that are going on, any new population or investing reports that we have, announcements of, of different events that we have going on. We're about to announce one that we are going to finally do that we haven't been doing for a while because of the whole pandemic situation. That's where you get all the latest news from us. You can register for that at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash newsletter. That's it for this intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. We are live with JP Gulbis, who's talking about the Latvian embassy and uh, and Christian Kalb. So before, <laughs> Christian, before we get to your story, I don't want to let that one go. Tell us, why are you, why are you talking to the Latvian embassy, JP well, Gulbis? Well, yeah, are you escaping Canada? <laughs> no. What is happening? No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just trying to get, like, you guys have multiple passports i would come like, right into the mic pull into the mic i would like a multiple passport uh or i would like another passport so that's what i'm doing trying to get my latvian passport because well, my it, father was born there when did he come to canada 
as a one-year-old in World War II. He escaped with my, uh, with my grandmother and grandfather. Met your mom here in Canada? Yes. Yep. It's funny how all of a sudden having multiple passports, not all of a sudden, this isn't, yeah, all, but, yeah. but I, I feel like we're at a moment in time where if you have multiple passports, it's kind of an interesting thing. And uh, definitely you feel a little bit more freedom having the opportunity to maybe move around to different countries. Options. Yeah. Options. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. As things get crazy, but. So Latvia. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I feel like that's going to be a process for you. I feel like it's going to be a two year process yeah, to get probably. that passport. I, I got, the, I got the, the form with all the documents I have to collect, which seems it was funny because it came in like a flowery piece of paper with all this like calligraphy and like uh, color and and uh, I don't even know where to start because my dad does not keep track of that stuff. He went back and was not impressed. Uh, and my aunt who has... Wait a second. Your dad went back and he wasn't impressed. So he went back to Latvia. He went back to Latvia. I don't know, probably in the last 10 years or so on a vacation with friends and they were doing a European kind of tour and they're like, well, if we're going there, we're going to go to Latvia. And, and, uh, yeah, he just, he, he kind of like almost, I think he, he did kind of get not mugged, but, uh, like taken advantage of a little bit, like in a cab or something. And then taking advantage of, yeah, like, (laughs) sorry, I know it's your father, but you're gonna have to give us more details. I don't know the exact, exact (laughs) wording that you're using for this. He was taken advantage of in the back of a cab. Yeah. I think, I think they paid to like, drive somewhere and then the guy was like not driving them where they were supposed to be going or something like that and then they were in a on a road and somebody with like some dark mercedes with tinted windows was flying down this alley and they had to jump out of the way my dad's already sensitive with speeding vehicles so it was just uh yeah he just didn't have a good time but uh so when i told him that i was like well i want to get my latvian passport because i was a kid i was like i wanted nothing to do with it you know, because they used to try to teach me uh, how to speak Latvian. And coming from my grandmother, that was just a bad, you know, it just being taught by a family member was not, it, was, it wasn't good. So, uh, anyway. Yeah, as much as we yeah. all kind of rail on Canada sometimes, there's definitely good parts to Canada. Oh, for I remember sure. uh, yeah. I was, um, I, guess, I guess I was mugged in Croatia in Split when I was like, eight years old or something like that. Our father, or maybe 10, maybe 12, I don't know, something like that. Our father took us over there. He was sitting in a cafe and we went into the market to buy something and it was really quiet. I guess we were there off season. I don't feel like it was tour season. And I just remember wearing Yvonne Lendl tennis t-shirts. I don't know if that name rings a bell for you, but when I was young, Yvonne Lendl was this, I don't know if he was, I can't remember where he was from. Check. Was he Czech? Yeah. And he was like, I feel like it was him and McEnroe that used to battle each other in tennis yeah. or whatever. And our father, I guess, was really proud that it was this guy from, you know, Europe somewhere that was really good in tennis. And he bought us these Yvonne Lendl t-shirts. And you could clearly tell they were like expensive tennis t-shirts. And no local kids were wearing these t-shirts. And we won't run into this market and we start running back. And two, two kids, bigger than me, but not that old. Like if I was 12, maybe they were 13. They just stepped out of this little alley. And I'll never forget the guy put his his like finger. I, I feel like it was his finger under his shirt. I don't know if it was like a gun. I thought it was like a knife and it was just like sticking out. And he basically said in Croatian, and I, and I speak Croatian. So he, he was basically saying like, give me all the money that you have. And I was there with Nick. So if I was 12, Nick was like seven. 
So Nick isn't like he is now where he would just smash the guy right in the, <laughs> right in the head. So I just took all the money out of our pockets and, and it wasn't that much and gave it to the guy. And I, I remember we just like ran back to our father and, uh, and then we said, you know, we just got to some guys just stole our money. We just got mugged. And I think my dad was just so proud to be in Croatian and uh, be there. He's like, no, you didn't. No, that didn't really happen. No, and we're like, no, 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 we totally just did. And we couldn't convince him that we just lost our money. Anyway, um, sorry, we're way off track here. But yeah, but but uh, so he doesn't keep track of his documentation. He used to used to hate going to uh, the States Um when we could go to the States, but because they would, they, you know, when you drive over the border, they'd like go to everyone else in the car and go, um, citizen of what country? And then they would get to my dad. And for some reason, they'd always go, where were you born? And it just, it just, he hates like crossing borders. He hates that whole thing. What's He's his just, first name? Maybe his first John. name. John. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. John Gulbis. That yes. doesn't seem like, a, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, my aunt has, I think like my grandmother's uh, birth certificate and all that stuff, but she's older than my dad is who, you know, she's probably like 80. Something. Is Latvia part of, they're not part of the EU, are they? I think they are. Okay. I think they yeah, are. I think yeah. so too. Which is part of the appeal. So I could, you know, with the horses too, it makes it easy if we ever wanted to do something over there, just, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. Got yeah. it. Got it. Okay. So, so we started talking about this because, yeah. uh, Christian decided to do something rather interesting. So can you walk us through, what have you done? Tell, tell everyone, you, how did you get to Panama? Tell us the story and what have you done down there? And on what day did you do it? Give us the whole goods. What did you do? Why did you do it? When did this happen? How did it happen? Okay, so <clears throat> why did I do it? Let's start with, with the why. So JP just mentioned... Maybe tell everyone what you did really quickly so they know when you say why, what you've done. Yeah, I, I, I obtained a Panamanian permanent residency in Panama uh, in August this year. So you, know, you could say during the pandemic... So, you know, five COVID tests and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but you also did it like with like a millisecond left on the on the meter to get it done. Yes, yeah. that's that's true. Um, so yeah. walk us through. So now tell us why and get us right to the point of you getting it. Why, well, did, why did you do this? Well, I've always been a macro kind of guy. I was uh, I've, I've traveled all my life. Um, you know, I lived in different countries, um, you know, traveling is my DNA. And um, I've I always had this idea, like, you know, when I get when I get older, I want to plant some seeds down south in some tropical climate and, you know, maybe have a property there with a pool and, you know, the, the kind of dream. And uh, so then, you know, this whole COVID thing kind of kicked in and I'm like, OK, um, maybe this is a good time to take some action. Right. Um and uh, a friend of mine called me up. Uh, it, it's funny. We had a call um, and I was trying to convince him to do uh, a JV deal in St. Catharines. So I'm, I'm pitching this deal to him like, yeah, we're going to, you know, private lending and flip this thing and then refinance and do this and that. And then he's like, you know what? That sounds really interesting. But um, did you hear about the uh, Panama residency program? <laughs> Um, the changes that are coming, and I'm like, what do you mean the changes that are coming? He's like, yeah, the, there's like major changes. Uh, on August 6th, you won't be able to, um, basically the minimum requirement for investments will change from, from 10,000 US to 200,000 US. So it's a 20x. Um, and when he mentioned it to me, I was very aware of that program because two years before I was at, uh, I was in Acapulco, Mexico, at a conference, and I met a comp um, I, I talked to a company there. Um, on, on the trade show floor. And uh, what they basically offer is like, you know, they offer packages where you can get residency and real estate in Nicaragua and Belize and, 
And that's like totally my thing. So I'm, I talk to like literally every single person there. And I researched that whole Panama, you know, residency program. So when he told me that, I was like, yeah, I, I researched that. I know exactly what you're talking about. And he's like, yeah, it's August 6th. And I think he, I think the phone call was like mid-June. <laughs> so I'm like, well, how are we going to do this? And he's like, well, I don't know, but let's let's look into it. So we, the same day, applied for um, the RCMP uh, police report. And, you know, my, my initial thoughts, like, yeah, government of Canada, this is going to, this is going to take eight weeks and we're screwed. Like there's, there's no way we're going to make this. Cause you need an RCMP. What's that? A background check yeah, from the RCMP? Like a police report. Okay. Um, and then basically just what, like this major list of items, just one step at a time, then, you know, go to the Panamanian, uh, consulate in, in Toronto, which um, I drove to the wrong address. So they're not in Toronto anymore. They're somewhere in North York. It was just like... Gong show. It, it was a gong show and it was all last minute and, and there were some doubts, right? But I'm like, what do I have to lose? Like maybe, maybe you'll lose so a So what did you have to do with the Canadian uh, Panamese consulate? Uh, just, the, apply, just apply to go to... Because you had to go to Panama to do this. Yeah, you had to physically go to Panama to do this. And that was another thing. So they, they told me um, it's 12, 10 to 12 business days. You have to be in Panama in order to complete this process. Oh, shit. Right? So 10 to 12 business days in Panama. And then on the 12th or 13th day, that's when you get your passport back. So basically, the, the day you arrive, they take your passport right? Um, the, the law firm, they take your passport and then you get it back 12 days later. So that was a whole other problem that I'm, I'm like, yeah, that's not going to work for me. <laughs> you know, I can't be, I can't be in Panama uh, for, for two weeks. And like, you were able to circumvent that? Well, in the end, we were, uh, I, I, I ended up going by myself. Um, and uh, your buddy who gave you the phone call didn't do it? Unfortunately, he wasn't able to, to okay. go. Yeah. So I'm like, that's fine. I'll just go by myself. And uh, and I was able to do it in eight business days. So you get there, you meet with a law firm that's helping you go through the yeah, process. You yeah. give up your Canadian passport? Yeah. So Dude, we, I don't we, like that. Back up to how you got there. Um, how did I get there? So <laughs> <laughs> What is he, stuck in the trunk of a car somewhere that he drove down? <laughs> no, just his whole, his whole, like, the logistics are just fascinating. I love it. Um, I love it, yeah. I, I'm trying. I'm so trying you to left Toronto? Um, well, for, first of all, so, so let, let's take a couple of steps back. So RCMP reports, oh, there's, it's COVID, it's going to take six to eight weeks. So, okay. so right off the bat, m most people would have said like, well, it's not going to happen, right? Because I only had six weeks to like physically be there, like physically be in Panama at the immigration office. So, but we tried it anyway. And, uh, and sure enough, we received it like three, three weeks into it. I didn't even have to call anybody or complain, nothing. So, so that was, that was the first step. Um, then Panamanian uh, consulate in Toronto, they had to verify a whole bunch of things. It's all bureaucracy. It's all red tape, stamp here, stamp there. Um, I, I can't remember all the details, to be honest with you. It was, it's a bit of a blur. Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, so three days before the actual trip at, at that time, I haven't sent a penny to, to, to Panama, to the law firm because we were in correspondence with them. And my friend, he's, he was basically like, yeah, I don't know, even if we send the money, like, I don't know if this is going to work. And I'm like, well, if we don't send them the money, we're not making a commitment. So how can we expect, how can we expect them to basically say like, okay, um, we're going to help you out. And we're going to do this in eight, in eight business days. Right. How, how much money, how much money was it? Was it, uh, the full $10,000? 
Um, it was 13,000 13, US for two parcels of uh, teak rainforest, like quarter acre uh, in, in southern Panama. You're owning this yeah. acreage? It's, That's how this works? You're buying land in yeah, Panama? Yeah, so I invested in, in... It's a forestry program. So it's real estate, but you cannot develop it. Okay. So, you, so you, you're contributing to some, you know, rainforest of some sort, some yeah. forest in yeah, Panama. In Panama. So it's like eight hours. It's like hours. you're making a donation. Well, no, it's a, it's an investment. Like in, in 20 to 25 years, I'll get I'll get a, you know, there's a payday at some point. Oh, really? Yeah. They harvest it, right? Yeah, they harvest it. Yeah. Oh, wow. So okay. you basically invest in, in the teak um, and uh, they plant the, the seeds or they plant little trees and then... 20 years later they harvest or 25 years later they harvest and then you get you get paid you, so it's it's, a, it's you a, own some teak trees in panama right now yeah it's it's an inflation <laughs> Teak's expensive man that's some nice wood it is what well, yeah so so that's the whole thing so two years ago when i researched this whole thing i'm like yeah I'm, everything sounds great like there's no draw you know there's no drawbacks here there's no risks right so keep 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 it here we'll oh, have I've our been, tequila let's have our tequila. yeah let's have our tequila yeah 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 <laughs> cheers, cheers, guys. cheers 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 Tom, Tom didn't go all the way. No, it's a nice tequila. Mm. I can sip that thing. Delicious. So, so keep. Uh, okay, so you 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 make this investment through the law firm. Yeah. So so we're in touch with them, and then three days before we're supposed to go, um, we still I still haven't made a commitment. No wire transfer. No payment. Nothing. Right. And that's when I call my friends. Like you know what? I'm here at RBC in the parking lot. I'm walk, I'm I'm doing this now. Right. Because there was still that that uncertainty that we wouldn't be able to make it on time because the cutoff was August 6th. Um, and if you didn't get it done by August 6th, then you basically lost the, the, the your money, right? Like you didn't lose your money, but you're not getting the purpose of, of the residency. Yeah, got it. Yeah, right? yeah. So, so, yeah. And then, yeah, three days before, you know, sent a wire transfer and, and uh, everything was last minute. I, I don't think... I've ever done something so last minute. So you in my life. wire the money to this law firm, then you book a flight. Um, no, I, I actually traveled standby because my okay. my partner she works for an airline. So so I've been traveling standby for for many. How years. do you travel standby? They get you on the standby list. I've never really purposely yeah. booked a standby flight. You need to know. Well, some, you can't. Okay, you, so you have because to be, she works for an airline. Yeah, you're on standby. Yeah, so I know the system. Dude, so you sent the money down, but you don't even have a, a guaranteed flight to go anywhere. Exactly. Oh my god. Okay, so you're standby in Toronto. Uh, Toronto, yes. To go where? To go to Mexico City. Okay. Um, so and then you get on the plane. You get your standby seat. Yeah, I got my seat. What happened if you didn't get your seat? Were you prepared to pay to go somewhere else? Yeah, I was prepared to do whatever it uh, okay. took, but I I know the system very well. Okay. So so you um, get to Mexico City. Wasn't yeah. there a reason why you went to Mexico first, or was that just the only way to get there? Oh yeah, the reason why I went to Mexico is because of the the flexibility with the COVID restrictions. Right. So you can enter Mexico um, without COVID tests, without PCR tests. There's nothing. So in November last year, I, I went to Mexico for two weeks on vacation, and I'm like, this is great. Like, there's no requirements, nothing. So um, I looked at the map. I'm like, yeah, might as well connect to Mexico City. So flew to Mexico City. Um, had a connection there, and then uh, I had to provide a negative. Uh, rapid test okay in mexico city at the uh, copa airlines counter. okay that yeah. that's like a 15 minute antigen test probably not a pcr test yes exactly okay so uh, yeah you provided that yeah and then that's a flight to panama now and that's a flight to panama city yeah okay and that was a red eye 
and then so I. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, red, red eye. eye. How long yeah. is the flight from Mexico City to Panama City? Not not that long, maybe four hours. Okay. Or something. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, arrive in Panama City. You know, barely slept, and then you know, go check into my hotel, and then pretty much within an hour, go straight to to the law firm because like time time was just ticking, right? Like every every minute, every hour that went by, it was like, oh man, am I gonna make this? So walked in there, put the cash on the table because I had to pay pay the law firm. They haven't even received a payment, right? And then uh, they took my passport, and you know, I, I asked her like, do you do you have confidence like this? You're gonna make this happen? She's like, you know what? We have a lot of people right now that I'm trying to squeeze through, but we'll we'll do our best. <laughs> what? Um, why do they have to take your passport? That's showing some sort of commitment to the country of Panama that you're staying? Yeah, because there, there was more involved. So there was a Panamanian bank account that had to be set up, a Panamanian corporation. Um, and then they eventually submit everything to immigration, Migración Panama. So the, if it's not migration, immigration, it's the bank or somebody else, some entity that had to have your passport. So. Okay, got it. So mm-hmm. it's not it's not because you couldn't leave. It's because they needed that legal document to show the banks or whoever. Yeah, and you couldn't leave. You had to. And you also couldn't leave. Y- you had to physically be there. Yeah. So I had to physically go to the bank. Like I had multiple appointments, but I didn't know when my appointments uh, appointments were. So I was like waking up in the morning in my hotel room, and I'm just like waiting. Like, okay, where where am I going today? It's and like, the law firm calls you and says, go to this. Yeah, bank. they WhatsApp. Everything's on WhatsApp. And it's like, yeah, today. WhatsApp. That's not very secure. Christian, <laughs> that does not sound like it's you. It's encrypted. They're not using Signal. Yeah. It's yeah, part yeah, of, yeah. I'm sure WhatsApp's <laughs> really encrypted. It's Straight of, to Zuckerberg's phone where he's reading exactly where Christian is. FBI book. Oh, look at Christian. He's in Panama right now yeah, getting his Panamese residence status. Panamese. <laughs> so, yeah. So, WhatsApp. <laughs> What's up? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so what's up? Yeah. So every morning it's just like, okay, where am I going? What What am I doing? And uh, and yeah, today you go into the bank. You're meeting with Maria, and Maria's going to do this for you. And and then the next day, a few days there was nothing on the agenda, but I didn't know. So did you reach just, out to them and say, hey, man, like I'm here. Is there anything I should be doing? Of course. But and what did but they say? It, Stand down. It was so last minute, and there were so many people, and and it makes sense, you know. During COVID, like the, like you said in the beginning, these times right now, I, I'm not the only one interested in, in in applying for residency. So there were a lot of people that were aware of these changes, and um, maybe not as many people made it down there because it was complicated and, um, you know, inconvenient. But um, there were a lot of people. Like basically every second person I met at the hotel was there for the same reason, to get to. to where get were the they? Where were the other people from? Uh, a lot of Americans, a lot of Canadians. Um, I met some, actually, I met a Latvian couple. Is that right? Yeah, no I met a Latvian couple, uh, Czech from the Czech Republic. JP, these Latvians are trying to get out of Latvia over here. You're trying to get into Latvia. <laughs> See how the world works? Yeah, but I, I wanted to say something to Latvia. If, if you go to Latvia now, I think you're going to be positively surprised because the whole Eastern Bloc, is, it's changing it, because it's all cyclical as, as Oh, 100%. As you know. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like yeah. it's more like a economically free environment than in other areas yeah Yeah, the the, the wounds are still fresh right well we don't have any over here Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's the weird thing and and christian will come back to that's the weird thing about going over to europe it's just there's so many hundreds of years of history baked into the people there that we don't have here like over there someone can look at that hill over the horizon and say see that hill over there my grandfather's grandfather's grandfather owned that hill and if anyone tries to take that hill I'm going to attack them and mm-hmm. fight for that hill. Where here in Canada, nobody really says that. 
everyone's like, you know, I'll just sell my property. Yeah, hey, Christian, they, you want to buy my property? I'll sell yeah. it to you. But there, they're like, I am willing to die. See that hill? I'm willing to die on that hill over there. It's yeah, really we, weird. We, we also haven't been invaded by yeah, yeah, uh, Russia and Germany yet. So uh, Agreed, agreed. Yeah, 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 know. yeah. Yeah, they're going to stand for that. And it's, it's just passed down from generation to generation. It's just baked into the yeah. society, into the social fabric there. Um, so back to you, you're in, you're in Panama, mm-hmm. you're meeting the Canadians. What age of the, what age of the, are the people that you're meeting in this hotel that are also doing this? That was all actually over all over the map. Okay. Yeah. There were people about to retire. Anyone there with their kids? Uh, very few. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's another thing. So for, for myself, um, it was too late because one of the objectives for me was to get the residency for my two daughters as well. But they basically said to, to me, like, if you come down here on your own, it's already going to be like very tight. So there's no way we can process yeah, to, your kids. To get to kind of junior or adolescence. In there's, there was just no, there was no time. But they basically said, once you get your residency, then next time you come down as a permanent resident, you can apply for, for them. So, so basically it's a two-step process, but. Um, okay. So you're in the hotel. Are you going out seeing the sites? I don't know. Panama city. Where am I? Am I on the coast or am I not on the coast? Uh, Panama city is, uh, there's no beaches in Panama City, so okay. so a lot of people call Panama City like you know the the Miami of Central America, and I and I get that comparison, but there's no beautiful beaches. Got but it. other than that, Panama City definitely has a bit of that Miami vibe. Um, yeah, Panama Canal, obviously, right? Yeah, so, got it, got it, got it. Okay, yeah, I see. Holy, yeah, you're oh, really. We're just looking at a map thought, now. You're really. I thought I was on the Caribbean, not on no. the other side. No, no, no. Wow. You're, you're, yeah. But so looking we're, at the map here. Yeah, you can't um, see we're looking at a map. So, so strategically, Panama is a fantastic location because you're uh, on the to the north. You're bordering uh, Costa Rica, which is you know the probably the most prosperous uh, and most thriving country in Central America, and then you have Colombia on the other side. Yeah, right, so it. so you're not surrounded by, let's say, Honduras and, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, got it. I don't want to say El Salvador because they're doing a lot of good things right now. Huh. Wow. Yeah, El Salvador is north of you. Nicaragua is north. Yeah, of pa- you. Panama. It it doesn't. Honduras to me, is north. Yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily feel like Central America. It feels more like South America. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, there's yeah. a you, you, there's a lot of Colombians. There's a lot of Venezuelans. Got it. Um, so it feels more like South America. Wow. Very but, cool. But a modern, sophisticated yeah, yeah, yeah. version. Okay. Right? Yeah. Okay. So days go by and then what? You get the call, come to this embassy or something there or, or not embassy. Yeah, it was I don't just know, a bunch of appointments. And uh, and then the day, then there was one day that I had to go to the immigration office and it was literally just to show my face. But it's, you know, it, it's it's a government agency. Sure. So you, sh- you basically show up in the morning and you have no idea like how long it could take. So, so I show up there and, and, you know, obviously it's super hot and I show up in shorts, right? And they didn't let me in. <laughs> what? They didn't let me in. You had to wear, you had There's to wear pants. Code. Yeah, there was a dress code. Whoa. So here I am freaking out. I'm like just sweating. You know, I had to take a cab to the mall, buy a pair of jeans, come back. And then I end up sitting there for like five and a half hours and, and you don't do anything. And it was so packed. There was no seat. There were no. There was no seating available. So because it was just jammed with people like you trying jammed, to get last. And jammed. Then, this is is this the last day you could get it that you're in this? Thing? Yeah, I was there on August fifth, and uh, August sixth the changes kicked in. Okay, so it's jammed on August fifth, and you're just what leaning against a wall in a sweaty room. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, 
it was it was pretty interesting. Five and a half hours go by, and then what? They call you and you and speak they, to yeah, someone. Yeah, they they called me, and um, and that's where I I finally act. I Are finally, you speaking English at this point in here? Um, Spanglish. Okay. Yeah. Uh, your your I, Spanglish I speak, is good. Your my Spanglish my Spanglish is pretty okay, good. Okay. Good. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. Um, and and at that point, so yeah, so at at one point, um, one of the representatives from the law firm shows up, says, like, "Hey, like, wake up." You know, 30 minutes, like, look at your ticket number, right? And that's when I met 19 others that were there in the same office, but, like, scattered, like 19 gringos, basically, um, because everybody else was, was, they were all Latinos. So you, you couldn't really, it wasn't like they were all, uh, like, you know, white guys like myself. It was all Latinos, Venezuelans, El Salvadorians, whatever. And, uh, and then they lined everybody up and said, okay, in five minutes, you know, your ticket's going to be pulled and then you got to go here. sounded like they lined you up to shoot you. They lined <laughs> yeah. us all up and they were just going to shoot yeah. us down. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. So they lined you up and your ticket's called and then what? You go to this person and what do you say? I took a pic. They took a picture of me. That's it? Yeah. Did you have to say like Panama is amazing? I I, I feel like when I got my Croatian citizenship, I had to say something great about Croatia. Yeah. In Croatia. Did you? Yeah. It was really awkward. <laughs> <laughs> It was really awkward. Did you have to eat a chivapchichi? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. But I did actually have to say like something about Croatia. I'll never forget that. It was really wow. weird. I was in a room one-on-one, -on -one, like a little kind of almost like a little interrogation room. You were Mississauga at the Croatian consulate mm, there. Interesting. And they closed the door and I, I had to write something too. And I, I can speak it, but I can't, I don't write. So I had to write a sentence too. It was really awkward. I don't hmm. think they do that anymore. It was really, this was like 10, 12 years ago. But, you know, Croatia is actually, I think the population of Croatia is just like Panama. It's like about yeah, 4, four million. million. So it's yeah. like a small country. Totally, right? yeah. yeah. So they have their own little traditions. So, okay, so they take a picture of you. And then what? You just leave? They give you some papers? And, uh, yeah, I had to sign some stuff, take a Did picture. Did balloons fall? Did some streamers no, come No, it out? was honestly, it was, it, was, it was just a government agency. And it was... Was the person miserable? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This sounds legit. This but, sounds legit. But they had AC, so oh, I was I was pleased. Okay. Yeah, I was pleased. Take the picture that you now. You does the law firm now? What you go back to the law firm the same day, the next day? No. And then yeah, and that that was the stressful part because so so now I'm here. It's August fifth. I'm like super excited, super happy. Like okay, we we got it all done. But they still have my passport. Yeah. Because they still have to process. Um. You know, there's some stamps and some visas and I don't. I didn't fully, I didn't ask all the questions. It's like, okay, when am I getting my passport back? That's all I really cared about. And they're like, well, we're going to try our best. I mean, it's, it's the same answer every time, right? There's no def yeah. definitive, like, oh, on Monday at 2 p.m. Like, no, it was always, we'd, we'll do our best. And uh, it sounds it, very Latin American. Yeah, but, yeah. but the, honestly, they pulled it off. Yeah. They, they did it. So she, when did you get it? Uh, a day, two days later, two days later, and it was a Friday. And I was so nervous. I'm like, I can't afford to, to be here for another weekend. I had to go back home. 17 reasons why I had to go back home. I had a whole bunch of projects, family commitments. And they they delivered. They pulled it off. And uh, yeah, it How was, happy were you to get that Canadian passport back? I know you were there for the, the, the Panama resident status, but you were happy to get that Canadian passport. I was passport. very happy yeah, to yeah, get yeah. it back. But, but, you know, with the stamp and then I got my card. I got my temporary... Uh, resident status re in yeah, Panama? Yeah, my, my physical green card, basically. And yeah, that was amazing. Amazing feeling. So now you can enter Panama as a permanent resident of Panama at any time. Yeah, I can live there. I can work there. So you're there. not a citizen. 
No, a permanent resident. You're a permanent resident, yeah. so you have the ability to open bank accounts. You can operate as yeah. a fully have, functioning individual. Yeah, there. I have a, a Panamanian bank account. Yeah, I yeah. have a Panamanian corporation. Um, I have, you know, I own the uh, the the real the estate, the the teak land. Yeah, yeah. And anyone listening, um, if anyone needs some nice teak floors, you know who to call. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's going to be, yeah. it'll be a while. Yeah. It's a tiny floor right now. It can only cover a little bit. Maybe a teak little mouse pad of yeah, some sort. Yeah, it's a 25 Coaster. year wait list. Coaster. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. And then I apply, uh, I just applied for my Panamanian uh, credit card. Oh, so cool. So that's in the pipeline because I'm a bank customer. Okay, so that's debt, dude. I thought you didn't like that. Come on. Uh, Screw the credit card. Well, I'm oh, you'll trying take to establish. Gar- you'll take the fiat garbage debt. Yes. I get you. I'm yes. on to you. Okay. Fiat, de- fiat <laughs> garbage <laughs> debt. Can right? you vote? Probably not. No, a permanent resident yeah, no, in Canada. No. You have to be a citizen. Yeah. No, unless Panama's different. But politicians are the same everywhere. Yeah, anyway, sure. So it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I'm applying for my credit card right now, which I should get because I have I have a bank account and I left some U.S. dollars there. So, so yeah, and uh, what else? I, I met a really interesting uh, real estate agent, Canadian real estate agent down there. So we looked at real estate whenever I was bored, you know, went to the former Trump Tower, JW Marriott. The former Trump Tower? It's no longer the Trump Tower? It's the JW Marriott. Oh, got it. Yeah. And uh, some, some really interesting condos. Like it's it's a city. I'm not a city guy, but uh, I have to say Panama City is a cool city. Like I, I, I walked around every day, all day. Um, I didn't get bothered Safe. once, didn't yeah. get harassed once. I mean, honestly, it was, and it was, it was a very interesting time too, because they had curfews in place because of COVID because of COVID, uh, it was 11 PM curfews. So most places shut down at 10, right. To, in order to send their staff home on time and, you know, shut down properly. So yeah, there were times when I'm literally like by myself in, in this big city, big buildings and, you know, just by myself walking around there's no barely any tourists um and nobody bothered me it was safe it's it's a it's pretty clean and the goal for this now is that you can travel there anytime should you want to you mentioned you were at a conference in acapulco two years ago by the way i didn't think anyone went to acapulco anymore i used to go to acapulco all the time it's turned into a bit of a dangerous area acapulco no that's the the mainstream media i don't know there was a dead body outside uh my buddy's (laughs) condo really yeah well i was in acapulco (laughs) actually it was it was a behead it was a Beheaded? beheaded? Yeah, it was a beheaded dead body. It yeah. was one gang sending a message to another gang. It happened yeah, to be right so outside. It's, it's actually one of Nick's buddies. Really? Yeah, right outside uh, Right outside the condo. Interesting. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's internal I went to, mafia I went f- stuff, right? Yeah. yeah Cartel but stuff. But still, I mean, I went there as a university kid. I, I didn't want to see dead bodies. So yeah. now that I know they're... Well, I, I left the cartel game like 12 years ago. Did you? So yeah, I'm good. You got out. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I good, out, good yeah. for you. <laughs> so, but in Acapulco, when you mentioned you were at that conference and learning about these different citizenships and that kind yeah. of stuff, was Panama like a highly rated place? Yes. To, it was. It's It was at the time and it still is. And the reason would be just because of the freedoms that exist in Panama? Um, it, it's a safe country. There's property rights. Yes, property rights, 100%. Um, safety is a big thing. Um, it, it, it is Central America, but um, generally from what I've seen, I was there in 2017 as well, so I, I did get to see a little bit more than just Panama City. Uh, so generally I would say it's it's pretty safe. Um, it's pretty clean. It's, it's basically like uh, sort of like Costa Rica. Costa Rica is maybe cleaner, maybe a little bit you know, a greener, a little bit more gringo friendly, so to say, speak, but Panama is a lot more affordable. Um, 
then Costa Rica. So the cost of living is a lot. Uh, uh, Got it. Yeah. So, it's so a, bank account, credit card, you have status there. You can buy property corporation. Beyond, beyond the teak if you mm-hmm. want to. You have a yeah. corporation yeah. there. Why do you keep saying corporation? Why is that important? That is important because depending on what you know, I do in the future, I have a Panamanian, a Panamanian corporation and uh, there can be you some can tax that. benefits. Oh, there. okay. Yeah. Okay. How? Okay. Got it. And you, you said property rights because it's important to have property rights where you, if you buy something there, it's going to be honored and you can protect yes. the property. Yes. And um, they basically do business. So they have their own local currency, but it's kind of not really, nobody really uses it yeah. because you, it's pegged against the U.S. dollar. So it's all U.S. dollar. Um, and... Uh, there's just a there's it's just a very business friendly uh, city. It's a it's a you know Panama Canal. You, you have a lot of um, it's kind of like the Miami of Central America from from a business perspective. It's a it's a hub. It's an international hub. Even the airport. There's money flowing through there. There's money. Flowing, Wasn't there oh, that big corruption money. case of all the Canadians and people all yeah, around the, the world? Yeah, the Panama Papers. The Panama Papers. What was yeah. that? People was hide, were hiding their money in Panama. Yes. Were they hiding it with you, Christian? Um, <laughs> no, you're recent. I, no comment. No, no comment. comment. <laughs> Wasn't there something that just came out about all this stuff? Yeah, like, there was. Like the last couple of days. Yeah, yeah. I think those papers came out a few years ago, but oh. then now some of them, some of the information got released. Yeah. You know, whatever. But you haven't, you got to at least finish about how you got home. So how did yeah, I get you, home? Do you book a flight standby back to Mexico City? Oh, man. So getting home was interesting. So um, I, I didn't that morning, I didn't know if I'm going to get my passport back. Right. So I'm, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not in the best uh, state of mind at that point. And uh, and I didn't want to push too hard. Right. Because it's all about long term relationships. And I, I had a feeling that I'm, I'm going to be dealing with these people again. And they, they were great, by the way. So if anybody wants to, uh, you know, I, I can I can provide contact information if, if you want to contact me or whatever. Um, so they were really good. They were re- very efficient. I was very impressed. So I didn't want to push their buttons too much. And then I think it was 3, 3 p.m. I I got the message, come to the office, pick up your passport. It just came in. Okay, great. Take a cab to the airport um, and uh, just try to figure out, okay, how am I getting home, right? So I knew I had to go through the U.S. Um, so I knew I had to get a, a rapid test done at the airport. Um, luckily, there was no lineup. So get that done. Uh, was negative. Um, flew to, I think it was Washington Dulles. Yeah, I had to. Okay. Yeah, flew to Washington Dulles with my negative test. Arrived there, had to sleep at the airport like overnight. Then ended up. What, what was for the, Canada? You needed a PCR. Yeah, but there was another issue. Oh yeah, the the whole thing, the uh, the quarantine hotel thing was still going on at the time. Oh Quarantine. shit! Canada. So so I had oh to get God. yes. Yeah. So so my goal yes. Now I remember, my goal so was to, to get, get to Buffalo. Neg- my goal was to get to Buffalo. Oh, and then and come across the land border and walk across okay. the, the border. <laughs> okay. So I so, like it. I'm on board. Yeah. So and that was another thing. It was just a matter of a few days, and they changed the, all the rules, right? Because then the quarantine hotel thing went away. Went away, but I, I it didn't work for so me. So did you get to Buffalo? So yeah, I had to. <laughs> so Panama City to Washington, Washington to Detroit, Detroit to Buffalo. Um, and then from Buffalo, I crossed the border. Walking? Like I walked the bridge. Okay. Yeah. Right? Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So you presented yourself now as a Canadian citizen at the, at the, at the, yeah. to the customs officer. Yeah. Well, they're not used to people. I guess they got used to people walking. A lot of people were walking that bridge. 
Um, there must have been. I, I, on that particular day, there were four or five other people. Yeah, and before there was never anyone walking across the bridge. Maybe, you, yeah, maybe a couple yeah, so, of days. So you guys are walking across. Yeah, walking across. <laughs> and uh, yeah, completely exhausted, right? Um, I, I love traveling and I don't mind like doing the, you know, the, the red eyes and stuff. But at that yeah, point, that, uh, it was... You were beat down. You can see Canada, like Canada. Yeah, yeah. Home. <laughs> so the customs officer says... Uh, yeah, you, you know, what's your citizenship? You you present your Canadian passport. Yeah, and then and then they walk me into this tent, this COVID tent, and uh, they gave me the two uh, tests. So so I had to, to take do a, home, right? To take home, but I had to do a test at Buffalo Airport. So so one test in in Panama City, which was a rapid test, uh, negative. Now I can enter the U.S. Now I'm in. Eventually, I get to Buffalo. Now I have to do a PCR test, which was like 280 U.S. dollars. Ridiculous. Yeah, and you got, how fast did you get that back? That's With, the fastest is like three hours. Within one hour. No. Buffalo Airport. Yeah. 200, PCR in one hour. Yeah. What? One hundred. Wow, that's uh, the fastest I've ever heard of. Yeah, 280 U.S. dollars, in, inside the terminal. Wow. Yeah, and then. Take a cab, drop me off at the bridge, walk across the bridge. Um, then they give me two other COVID tests, and they're like, "Oh, you can do them at home." It's like, "Well, why are you here? Let's, you know, let's do one here right now." And then I did one there, and then I like that you're giving them shit. Good yeah, for you. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Uh, hazmat suits and everything, of course. No. Right? Oh yeah. Hazmat suits. Yeah, completely, completely out of control. Um, but anyway. <laughs> They were wearing hazmat suits? In the COVID tents, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, yeah, and then I then I got home. I, you know, I'm, I'm home. So they let you out of the tent, and then what, you call an Uber? Uh, <laughs> like, what's the last leg? The last leg. Yeah, the last leg. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. And then you would just went to, like, Longo's and bought some groceries? No, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I went to a nightclub. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! So you get so it. five five tests. The the entire trip was five five COVID tests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this past summer, uh, I took ten flights with the family. We we're very experienced in antigen and PCR tests. Yeah, with my with uh, somewhere with my eighty one year old father. Ooh, yeah. Wow. I went to Croatia for a wedding. He wanted to go. Good so for him. We went. Yeah, eighty one years old. Wow. Eighty one. Good for Still him. Still healthy. Doesn't take any medication. Runs around the neighborhood in my old high school T shirt that says like Pocock Pirates on it. <laughs> he does like he punches the air while he's running because it's his old karate days. So he mm -hmm. punches and runs, and he runs in like old Air Jordans, but also with like silk dress socks. So the whole neighborhood knows him. Like in Mississauga, where we grew up, like he still lives in the same spot. All the neighbors know him, and new neighbors are moving in. So I think they're shocked when they see this guy. But uh, yeah, he's he he basically there. runs the neighborhood. Yeah, I in think, a way. well, in a way, because I think people are slightly scared of him. He's <laughs> like a neighborhood legend. Yeah, like yeah. they don't know what to make because he comes down the street, literally. Like sometimes one of my friends will be like, I just saw your dad again. He's like <laughs> on field gate in Mississauga, punching the air as he's like lightly jogging. I'm like, oh, good. He's still doing his running. Okay, That's good. great. But uh, okay, so you get home, you have this thing, you did it. Holy shit. Yeah, and then two, two weeks. Quarantine. So you've accomplished a big thing because I think for years from knowing you with our casual conversations, this was mm -hmm. something you wanted to accomplish. Like you were going to conferences, I don't know if it's like sovereign man type conferences or th that kind of thing, right? Like this yeah. has been your thing. Yeah, libertarian uh, and anarchy. And I know people are going to be like, anarchy, oh my God. Like, uh, you know, Google the word anarchy and educate yourself on it. It, it, it doesn't mean what you think it means, but... Uh, yeah, but I yeah, think you mean respecting other people's uh, property and respecting other people yeah. uh, as a person and uh, just kind of living yeah. your life a little bit more free than on yeah, massive government regulation. Yeah, less less government is more. So 
you know, for, for the people. And uh, yeah, liber libertarian mindset, but um, anarcho-capitalist is another word, mm -hmm. right? Um, uh, basically, you know, you, 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 you are responsible for your actions, right? You, if you start a business and you fail, then you have to, you know, deal with the consequences and you learn from your mistakes and you start again. And, you know, there's, there's not someone that's constantly going to bail you out or, you know, from that perspective. So... So what, now, and you, you alluded to it when we were talking of, you know, about things with the macroeconomic environment, you have this for a purpose. You believe possibly things get choppier from here economically, politically, and that's why you like having this. What are some of your thoughts? Um, yeah, that's definitely one thing. Um, you know, I have, uh, I have a German passport too. So, so, you know, born in Canada, um, but my dad was, was German. So I lived in Germany for 13 years, have German residency or citizenship, right? So with that passport, I, I actually um, lived in Ireland for a year and a half. And it was like the coolest experience. Like we, I, I remember we, I, I landed in Dublin and, uh, and, you know, there's this immigration booth and I'm getting all prepared with my folders and passports and I'm ready to talk to this guy. And, he, and literally everyone's just raising their, pa their passport just so he can see the front cover and oh yeah German passport just keep going keep going I'm like yeah but I'm moving here don't you want to see me? like don't I get a stamp or something he's like go in go in go in and I uh, that's how I lived there for a year and a half and I entered uh I, I traveled like every two months during that time and it was the same thing every single time so I'm like I really reap the benefits of you know having that uh that citizenship, right? That passport. So that's that's the one thing. So, like JP said, having more options. The more options, the better in general, right? But now with with everything that's going on, um, I I do believe that uh, it's even more important, right? So now then you're also into the Bitcoin stuff and what other stuff? So you're into Bitcoin and uh, likely because it's a different form of uh, it's it's somewhere you can put some of it's something you can own that's perhaps outside of government control. I'd imagine that's why you 100%, like Bitcoin. Yeah. yeah. And then what um, What else? You're into some of the other altcoins as well? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty deep into, into cryptos in general. Um, but one thing that's kind of overlooked a little bit is privacy coins. Okay. Because I and feel like you're the kind of guy just talking to you that you would be a Bitcoin guy. Like it's Bitcoin or nothing. But but getting to know you, you're like no, there's Bitcoin and you're doing some other stuff. So it's yeah. because of privacy. Yeah. So so basically, with cryptocurrencies, there's different st uh, strategies or different categories, right? So Bitcoin is is the number one store of value. It's the number one um, you know reserve currency of cryptos. So it's you know some people call it digital gold. Uh, it's obviously better than. It's more than that. It's more than yeah. that. It's better than that. But it's it's a good explanation like okay this is the type of cryptocurrency it is so yeah. so if you want to store wealth and and like you mentioned uh many times it's like a savings account it's the best savings account you can it's like have a modern day savings account and, and just before we go further when we say it's more than that it's because there's a monetary network that bitcoin has where you and i we can actually send canadian dollars to us dollars using bitcoin as a network and not even the asset at all so bitcoin is more than gold because gold is just this physical asset but bitcoin is like there's a full bitcoin node sitting on the desk right here mm -hmm. so there's there's thousands of nodes around the world that are creating an uh, a network where you and i you can be in panama 
You and I can set up a lightning channel between each other. Mm-hmm. We can send funds back and forth to JP in Latvia, to me here, or me in Croatia, mm-hmm. you in Panama. No one can stop us. Yeah. We can transfer funds between each other. And, and by funds, I'm saying, in this case, Bitcoin. No one can stop us. Yeah, We can have that security that I know I can pass some value over to Christian. Christian yeah. can pass it to JP. JP can pass it to me. Yeah. The power of that type of monetary network has not existed in the world. We've always had to go through central bodies, either banks or governments, central banks to do that kind of action. We can completely bypass it entirely. Yeah. So when we say it's more than gold, it's because the network that is being built is actually more fascinating to me than anything. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, Bitcoin as an asset and the price of one Bitcoin, etc., it continues to rise, which is great. Mm-hmm. But it's this network that's blowing my mind. And then there's people like Jack Mahler's building the lightning sorry, with his strike application, where you can send US dollars to somebody in Europe, they're getting whatever you send as US dollars, they're getting it in Euro, and he's using the Bitcoin network just as a mechanism to send it over to Europe. Mm-hmm. So they're not even using, you know, they're not even putting Bitcoin in and out, they're just using the Bitcoin network to send the transaction over to Europe. Like, I mean, this stuff is fascinating. Yeah. When you go down this rabbit hole, it's like yeah. mind blowing. But the reason you're beyond that is because primarily of, pri- or one of the reasons privacy, well, Bitcoin, uh, one thing I want to add to that is you don't have to ask for permission, right? I don't like asking for permission for, for anything, really, right? So, so that's, a, that's a big one. I don't, I, you, you know, you don't have to line up at uh, BMO or whatever and like, hey, can you give me $10,000? Like, yeah. well, we can only give you $5,000. Yeah. Like, well, why? It's Come back money. next Friday. What's the reason that you want your money, Christian? I love that one. I mean, what is the reason that I, you want your money? I, I, <clears throat> I go into the bank with my paper bills and pay them just to spite them because I know they get so, and I open all the envelopes in front of them because I, yeah, good. (laughs) Oh my God. But these are just some bank employees. They're not the enemy. I know, but it's fun. (laughs) It gives you a personal sense of satisfaction because they just rape you. And I just love making them work. But but you know what? I'm I'm starting to feel sorry for them because they have no idea what's, what's coming. They have no idea. Some of them do. Some of them do, but you're right. Yeah. 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 But um, so yeah, Bitcoin's so, eating the financial world. They don't see it coming. Sometimes the the head of CIBC is a Croatian guy. His brother went, is a few years older than me. So some of my friends that were a few years older hung out with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and his his brother is the current CEO of CIBC. And he was in Croatia this summer, apparently having dinner with some people I know. So I just felt like every time I had the opportunity, I would tell someone who I knew was having dinner saying, hey, tell these guys that these guys are screwed. Their whole system is going to come around crashing around them. They don't even see it. Can you please pass that message around to the CEO of CIBC? But then I thought, you know what? Actually, take that back. I don't even want them to know. Let them figure it out for themselves. <laughs> yeah, and, and the beautiful thing is they're going to be one of the last ones to get in. They're, they're going to they're going to get in when it's like five hundred thousand dollars a bitcoin. Yeah, they're right? so. It, it's interesting when you talk to people from Bay Street here in Canada. So if it's, if it's a Bay Street lawyer or a Bay Street investment banker, they are doing so well for themselves financially. Like the system has rewarded them so wonderfully Mm -hmm. that it is impossible for them to compute that Bitcoin represents something more than, oh, maybe it's going to be an asset of some sort. But I find many of them, not all, but many of them that I cross paths with are completely dismissive. And if you say that you are into this Bitcoin thing, it's almost like you're either a pirate or an anarchist or, you know, you just don't understand the system. But the system has rewarded them so well, they kind of live in this echo chamber bubble. 
and they don't see what's being built around them. So Christian, to your point, they many of them are going to be the last to know. It, it, it so reminds me of when MP3s just upended the music industry. Like Napster came out. I don't know if you guys are too young to no, remember. Like Na- I was downloading stuff on Napster. Yeah. And then I just remember thinking, wow, this is like way better than going to HMV or, you know, and buying stuff. Download any song that you wanted. And a few years later, the whole music industry just got turned upside down. Yeah. It's the same. It seems like it's the same with the media, like the the mainstream media. They they completely dismiss things like this. They get a lot of attention and, and listens. And it's almost like, but their viewership is like, it has to be supported by the government just, just to survive because no one watches. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same old, the old guard, like, you know, it's just... Yeah, and it is interesting to me. I mean, there's some really smart people that have been here, like Fernando was here recently, and he was talking about how the mainstream media does represent some good information, and it's, you know, it's it's the majority, and you, we should listen to it. And I love having someone like him on because he is so articulate and, and, and thinks so clearly, I think, and his views are interesting to me because they're so opposed to my views. Right. So I always admire someone who comes from that. I don't agree right but it is interesting to me that there are many people who think because you, you're you're you know you're saying yeah the media is basically useless and 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 i kind of agree with with that but there's many people who well, no, don't right. don't are, don't agree with that yeah there's a lot of people that still tune in and take every word for gospel yeah there's it's not it's yeah. not it's not media anymore it's it's straight up propaganda yeah. oh shit here we go christian let's keep it real let's keep it real okay you tell us you straight well, i mean we don't we don't have to go down that rabbit hole but it's 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 become a propaganda machine so it's a modern day propaganda it, it's machine. feeling it's feeling that way it's definitely to me feeling that way you know when we, when well, like if i was in the media in the financial media and i was currently reporting the cpi number i couldn't report our inflation numbers with a straight face. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, like to report CPI is 2% or 4 I think August it was really high at like 4.1% or whatever. And property prices year over year are going, property prices are going up like 8% in a month or whatever. And you know, year over year, they're up like 25%. And to report that CPI is up 4% where gas like i don't know what gas is up yeah but energy. it's not a real cp it's, it's no, a no, fake we, cpi we to agree. begin with right we agree i totally agree and it's, it's based on a substitution model and i love reading their details if you dive into the bank of canada's explanation of cpi they're like it's not an accurate measure of the cost of living that's actually in their documentation and 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 the reason they say it is actually that their consumers will substitute goods so they can never get true CPI. So like if Christian, you walk into the store and you're looking to buy coffee, but coffee went up in price, you'll just buy tea instead. And they're looking at that as like, you know, CPI can never really track Christian what he's going to buy. But I call just bullshit on that because I'm like, if CPI is not measuring that coffee went up, why would, why would you measure that tea is cheaper than coffee and replace the coffee for tea? I don't get it. Yeah, It's just a kind of a bullshit number. So if I worked in the media having to report this stuff, I couldn't even have a straight face about it. Yeah. Like it's just a bold, it feels like a bold face lying at this point. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even feel inaccurate. It feels like lying. Like that's what I feel like. When I hear the CPI at this point, I don't even feel like it's not accurate. I feel like it's a lie. Yeah. Like I feel, I feel like, like we've most co- things though that you Yeah, yeah. But I feel like know. for years it was like, oh, that's kind of bullshitty. The CPI number is a bit bullshit. Now I just feel like it's straight a lie. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, we're way off track now. So tell me about your privacy coins. <laughs> well, yeah. So so one thing I want to mention. So Bitcoin is actually a surveillance coin. 
Oh, here we Uh-oh. go. Uh-oh. Yeah, 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 here not, we go. Here I, we go. I, I, I'm a, I, I love Bitcoin. I own Bitcoin. I uh, I'm, I actually just ordered myself like this interesting heating mining device. Um, it's called Heatbit. Oh, cool. So I'm going to be mining Bitcoin, I think. I hope. So why is it? A, because you can track the movement yes. of it? Everything can be tracked. And, and that's one of... The, there's pros and cons about that, right? Um, but um, privacy coins... And, and that's what I was trying to explain earlier. So within the cryptocurrency world, there's different... There's different categories, and uh, my my conclusion after doing a lot of research is, you, you know, if you want to be uh, an investor, it's it comes down to diversification. So you want to be invested in different categories. So you want to own Bitcoin is like the ultimate crypto. Sure. You want to own as much as of it as as possible, right? That's the ultimate store value, um, your ultimate savings account. But you want to invest in smart contracts. So you know you have Ethereum. You have uh, Cardano, you have Cosmos, you have um, then on the privacy side, there's a privacy uh, a privacy version of that called Dero, D-E-R-O. Um, it's basically just like any other smart contract pl- a platform, but it's uh, all based on privacy. So um, then with um, you know currencies, for example, Monero, that's basically like digital cash, like you know like Litecoin or mm. Bitcoin Cash. So that's the privacy version of that. So Let's say we all know here that the uh, CBDCs will be introduced sooner or later. Uh, China's ahead uh, of the game. They, they're already kind of implementing it here and there. Um, so it's going to happen. It's part of the agenda. It will happen. And at that point, uh, you know, our privacy as far as monetary, uh, as far as, you know, it, it'll be gone. It'll so Monero, be you like Monero because it's more private. What am I giving up? Um, so it can't be tracked as easily. But uh, what am I giving up? Is it more centralized? Like the whole thing for me about Bitcoin that I love is how decentralized, decentralized it is. Yes. And the proof of work aspect of it I love mm-hmm. because nobody can then control it without putting up some work to be involved in mm-hmm. the network. Some of these other things I feel like are a little centralized, a little too controlled. For yes. my life. Like if I'm trying to leave a fiat system that I feel is very centralized and controlled, I don't want to go into a digital representation yeah. of that. Are some of these coins yeah. centrally controlled? There, there's, and that's the thing. There's so many different coins. There's so many tokens. And so pick one that you like and tell me. Um, well, there's, there's even some that are more... I would say more centralized that I would still I would still invest in them because I see I see the value right mm-hmm. because they have a different uh, uh, purpose or a different uh, use case. But um, I like Monero because it's it's been around since 2014, which in this space like seven years that's incredible, right? So um, it's probably the number one privacy coin, the number two privacy coin. Uh, but if I buy a bunch of Monero, is there a guy that I can go to and say, hey man, if you don't shut this thing down, you're going to jail? Like, how is it? Well, uh, it's private. It, it, you can't be tracked. It, no, no, it's but who, who's controlling the amount of Monero oh, that it, it exists? Is, um, it, it's, a fi- it's fixed supply. It I, I, a, believe, I believe. Christian, these, these are the answers I need, dude. No, these I know. These are the answers I need. I know, I know, but fixed I'm trying supply? to remember. You know, it is, it is a fixed supply for sure. 100% okay. it's fixed supply. Okay. Yes. And then Pirate Chain, um, A-R-R-R. I know. Okay. I know. You're, you're, you know, I, I can see it on your face. Um, the technology. What, what can you see on my face? What am I? What am I? Keep, well, it's pirate up? chain, but you know, pe- people are investing Dude, in Dogecoin and I went to, I, I went to Philip Hogarth, right? home of the pirates. I'm on board with the pirate chain. Yeah. Let's go. But anyway, the, the technology <laughs> that that pirate chain has is superior to Monero. It's a newer cryptocurrency. Got it. So, so at the end of the day, it it, it this is one of those things. Okay, what's what's hap- going to happen in the future, right? Mm-hmm. And CBDCs will be introduced, and we will lose 
whatever privacy we have, cash won't exist. It barely exists today. It won't exist at some point in the future. I At that point, how can you secure some sort of privacy, mm-hmm. financial, fiscal mm-hmm. privacy? It's important, yeah. It, it's very important. And I, and I believe um, at some point, uh, people are going to realize it and there's going to be a massive run on, on privacy coins and uh, privacy-based cryptocurrencies. Mm-hmm. I have to look into Taproot. I can't believe, I, I can't remember what Bitcoin has introduced in Taproot that somehow increases some of its privacy. I forget exactly. But it, I don't think it really yeah, matters. You're not, you're not buying it. Okay. No, and, and again, I, I love Bitcoin and I support it and I want everybody to, to own it and, and, and buy it. And, you know, I have interest savings accounts and I'm, I'm basically earning Bitcoin every month. It's it's a an amazing yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, you're, you're saying you're a supporter of Bitcoin, but there's other things that you like these other coins yeah, for. I'm, yeah, I'm not a maximalist and, and the cryptocurrency space is way too exciting and too, there's it's so much crazy. going on. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's The only thing that I'm trying to figure out is that I've explained this a few times now is that it, it this so reminds me of tech from 1997 to 2004 when all the excitement was around all these other software programs that were being built mm-hmm. that were really easy to use and, and promised great features yeah. like single sign-on and security and ease of deployment. But then slowly over time, the better architecture that was being built under the surface mm-hmm. was the web architecture. And the web architecture started out really slow where to load something in 1997 on your screen, loading an image took like half an hour. But by 2004 and five, we were putting our accounting data into the web Mm -hmm. and the web architecture just crushed all these other software software architectures. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that was client server. It was the Microsoft model, you know, put a lot of software on the client being your laptop or your desktop, and it would interface with a server. And then that was bullshit in the end from a, from a computer standpoint, because then if you had to upgrade the clients, you had to go to each computer and upgrade each computer. And the web architecture was just this browser and you would access a main computer in the back end. And the web architecture came out and things like salesforce.com came out. Mm. Um, PeopleSoft came out and threatened Oracle because Oracle's enterprise software was client server for a little while. Then they went web-based. Um, so this architecture like took way longer to develop, but then when it matured, it just absolutely annihilated everyone else. And part of me just thinks, okay, I know some of these other coins might have a great run, Mm -hmm. especially things like Ethereum, Mm -hmm. but I'm in the back of my mind, I'm always just very aware, like what is being built on top of the Bitcoin architecture? Because to me, that feels like the most uh, solid foundation yeah. and will it eventually just kind of like wipe out some of these other ones and I don't have the answer and I'm, I'm, not, I'm yeah. not trying to say it happens overnight like like something like Ethereum I think can go up 10x from here easy right oh, I shouldn't have said well, that okay maybe maybe, maybe it goes up a little advice. bit more yeah yeah not, <laughs> not financial advice at all but I just mean when I saw the client server architecture that was wrong they still sold Microsoft sold a shitload of client server stuff for years mm-hmm and it went up like crazy in value until the web architecture kind of destroyed it. And I'm just wondering, are we replaying that? Like, is there this great architecture that's being built under Bitcoin kind of slowly and properly and eventually just wipes out everything else um, or not? Yeah, I, I think the- I think eventually there's not going to be 7,000 cryptocurrencies left, obviously, right? But but something like Ethereum, for example, I'm, I'm not a big Ethereum fan, but I, I do believe you should own some Ethereum. Like, I think it's riskier if you don't own these as- digital assets than, than um, you know, not... not yeah, that's a good them. way to put it because the space... I think the, the, the way to think of it, to your point, Christian, is that if all financial assets, and people are going to argue over the amount here, but if it's 300 to $500 trillion, mm-hmm. and if you include debt, it's like $900 trillion, but yeah. whatever, everyone's arguing about that. 
and the current size of the entire crypto space is two trillion. Yeah, it's like two point six. Two point. Right whoa, yeah. nice. Yeah, two point seven. Right on the yeah. game. Okay, yeah. two point six trillion, and all other financial assets are like you know three to five hundred trillion. Yeah. There's probably room for crypto to grow. Hundred percent. So, so to your point, yeah, it's it's more risky to be out of it entirely. And I also think that institutions um, are looking for alternatives to Bitcoin. So I, I, a lot of institutional money will go into Bitcoin. Um, who knows how much? But I think some institutions are sitting down right now. It's like, you know what? Bitcoin's great and we're going to do like 1% or whatever. But I think Ethereum is going to get uh, like Ethereum is the number two choice. And um, every, a lot of things are being built on it, right? But uh, like I said, I, I own some Ethereum, but I'm not a maximalist of anything. I, I own many different altcoins. And there's also, it's a way to get free Bitcoin, right? Because if you, if you invest in an altcoin and it goes to the moon, it doubles. Mm -hmm. You know, you can, you, can trade it, you can trade your gains into Bitcoin and you essentially... What happens if it goes to zero, though? Yeah, you're I mean, a skilled trader. You're telling me you're a skilled no, trader. I'm not. Yeah. A, I'm not a trader. I'm I'm an investor. But um, yeah, there. You know, I, you can do research and you can see certain patterns and got it. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. You're just saying there's that much opportunity that you. Uh, yeah, and I agree. There's just so much happening and so much opportunity. You you can't ignore it. when I when I hear people say. I'm not looking into this because I don't understand it. I almost feel Ooh. for that. Yeah, I'm no, like, this is you, the, ha you have to. This is the greatest wealth transfer, though. Yeah, it's a new frontier. Ever. This is the discovery of the Americas all over again. Yeah. You, Isn't it amazing that 200 years ago, 200 years ago, we were trading uh, these things called eels, which were the skin of a, of a buck filled with bear grease. And it, the amount of these eels kind of hanging on your mantle plays is what, what your wealth was stored in. Really? Because you used to trade these on the frontier. That was your, anyway. Is, wow. is that in 200 years. Along, we've come a long way. Yeah. <laughs> is yeah. that at the same time these, the, the seashells were monetary? Uh? I, I, that I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Just a different yeah. uh, part of the world, I yeah. guess. So with all this going on, I'm curious, like, are you still holding on to your investment real estate properties? Where does that fit into your grand scheme of things? What's your thinking yeah. on that? No, it's still very, very active in real estate. I, actually, probably more active than than ever before, as far well, as why is that? Because of the macro, you know, because of what's going on right now, um, and and not just right now. I think I think the you know you guys are you guys do an amazing job at educating uh, you know uh, people on on you know owning assets and the importance of owning assets. Um, I, I was a very conservative, risk averse type of guy not too long ago. Um, really? He, yeah. Oh yeah, big time. Um, then he met JP Gulbis very, he's and very calculated. Like everything is super, super calculated. Yeah. I'm a spreadsheet yeah. type of guy. Yeah, oh yeah. 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 But, uh, but anyway, um, owning, owning assets has never been more important and owning as many assets as possible and physical is, is great. Like, um, you know, real estate is, is fantastic. We live in a very unique part of the world. Um, as much as I feel like it's underreported. Yeah. Totally. And, and that's that again, where's the media, where's the version of the mainstream media on why, what, what's going on, why it's going on. Property prices. You, why are they behaving the way they are? Either they really don't know what the heck is going on or they're choosing not to, you know, to report on it. So whatever, it, whatever it may be, I'm not getting my financial advice from them. Right. So that's, that's for sure. But yeah, own as many assets as possible. And I think it's never been more important than now. 
right now, like, and, and again, uh, cryptocurrencies are digital assets, right? I mean, if you've listened to any Michael Saylor uh, interviews on YouTube, I mean, Bitcoin is basically digital real estate. And it took me a long time to, just like most of us, it, there's a there's a massive learning curve. Steep. It's steep. It, it's 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 time consuming. It's it's confusing. But once you get it, it's like you panic. <laughs> once you get it, you panic. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah. and then once in a while, so I'm I'm done with Michael Saylor. Like great guy, I love the guy. He's a legend. Um, but I'm kind of done with that. But once in a while, I'm like, you know what? He just did this interview yesterday. What do I do? I go online right away. Oh, I got to buy more Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. Bitcoin. You can't not listen to him and, and determine that you have enough Bitcoin. You listen to him and at the yeah. end of any interview, you're like, oh my gosh, I need more Bitcoin. Yeah, <laughs> but but it's it's digital. It's a digital asset. Cryptocurrencies are mm -hmm. digital assets. You know, uh, your, your your son, for example, right? NFTs. Oh, so I actually... Watching. I, I ran into him at the uh, VIP. Oh, event, did you? Right? Yeah, and he showed me one of the NFTs, and I'm like, Did you get a good laugh or what? No, I mean, I'm I'm super pumped for him. Like, that's the coolest thing ever, right? Uh, Reese Witherspoon just bought one of the ones that he has a collection of. Oh. So he's and he, this was two days ago, and he was showing me this stuff, and uh, and I just remember uh, this is just fascinating. It's like yep. fascinating to me. But the the most fascinating component is it's in ethereum the currency yeah. that they're using yeah. is eth yeah that's that's what getting it's getting me excited like your profits your gains or even your losses it's all in in a digital currency that is not controlled mm -hmm. by a central bank by a government yeah when these things are listed for sale it's listed in a in ethereum price it's amazing not a dollar price and yeah. and he i spoke to him he full he fully understands it and he you know those he, it's so interesting for me to because he seems to just get it he, to him yeah. it's like yeah this is happening it's this much eth and canadian dollars right and that's the way he talks like in canadian dollars right now it's this much but you know it's this much eth mm -hmm. like that generation, the Zoomers, I think that's referred to as the yeah. Zoomer. They, the amount of opportunity they have in front of them right now. Mm -hmm. Like, do you remember at the presentation we gave on well, Saturday? I don't know if you saw some of the like the investments in artificial intelligence. How much data is mm -hmm. being created? How many satellites are hitting the the orbit over the next five and ten years? Just on SpaceX's forecasts, like everything is going exponential. Yeah. This is to Jeff's Booth's point. Like the next ten years, there's going to be more change in the next ten years than the last one hundred. And I can see it. Yeah, Jeff Booth it was very interesting. So, so the cost of technology. So a few years ago, like eight years ago, whatever, I had an interview at a company here in Oakville called Geotab. Okay. And they basically sell tracking software for like fleets and stuff for cars and vehicles and trucks. Well, I just found a Samsung Galaxy Smart Tag on you know Costco.ca, like two of them for 50, 50 bucks. Yeah. And like, how, how, think about that for yeah. a second. That that's twenty five bucks for a smart tag that you can put in your car, or you know, you can attach it to your your suitcase when you travel, and you can track it like anywhere in the world. Like that's insane. Twenty five bucks. Like ten years ago, extrapolate out ten years from now. Like, what is going to happen? And and you know what? I I feel like talking to millennials right now that get it. They're encouraged. Because they feel like when they first left school and came out, like real estate prices were so high and the job market's kind mm -hmm. of full full of boomers still and controlled it. And, you know, I'm not trying to pick on anybody specifically who has a job or whatever, but that's just the system that we live in. And now the ones that get it, who are like 25 or 26, mm -hmm. they're like, the next 10 years is ours. We are going, there is a, to your point, Christian, there is a wealth transfer coming mm -hmm. with so much being built in the digital space that the older generations don't get. Mm -hmm. 
that it's going to be fascinating. And I think the older generations are so dismissive, dismissive, dismissive of it because they can't hold it in their hand. Yeah. So they think, oh, you know, this is just, what is this? This is just games online. You know, your Monero coin there, Christian, yeah. what, what, what is that? You mm-hmm. know, and uh, it's, it's really going to sneak up on everybody. So I mean, there, there's new crypto millionaires being born, so to speak, every day. It's like, freaky. I, I I spend a lot of time on my CoinGecko app, like looking at charts and stuff. It's it's insanity. Is and that, I, I've had it happen to what me. What are some of your favorite exchanges? You don't have to share all of them, but do you have a couple of favorite favorite exchanges that you um, use to buy some of this stuff? Um, well, I use Bitbuy, I use CoinSmart, um, Newton, um, but then. To get some of the smaller altcoins, like I use Trade Ogre for that's where you get some of the the you know the no name privacy coins, okay. um, and that's that's kind of part of the process too. So sometimes you have to t- get those high risk coins on some of the exchanges that nobody's heard of, but that's why you're getting it at them at the very low price. You're getting in early; they're only on one or two exchanges, and then they start blowing up, and then other exchanges are like, hey, that's a really good coin, mm-hmm. that's a really good functionality use case, blah blah blah. Now they open up on, on a few other exchanges and the price goes 10x, 20x, who knows, right? So, um, but yeah, I've used all kinds of stuff. I, I don't know. I have so many cool. wallets and so many different And, and even on the mainstream stuff, like Ledin right here in Toronto Ledin, is offering yeah. 6% interest on Bitcoin deposits and yep. like 8 or 9% on USDC. I mean, this is actual interest. I'm talking 6 to 9%, yeah. not like 0.05% or 0.25%. Well, yeah, if you understand what Bitcoin is, and that there's a company that gives you 6.1% interest on that. That's like compounding interest. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. And there's the, the, the and, and I guess some people would say, yes, but you're giving up control to someone else to hold your Bitcoin. So you do have to kind of look into all this stuff. But yeah. yes, it's completely fascinating. And this stuff is growing like a weed. It's going to be interesting over the next few months, I think, to watch the stablecoin regulation. Because mm-hmm. I feel like in the US, they've put out enough messages that they're going to come after Tether, USDC, some of these stable coins. Yeah. They're going to regulate the crap out of them. Um, that's going to be fascinating to see. I feel like that's that's their first target on regulation yeah. in a heavy way. Probably. And and I I don't own any any uh like I've thought about it so hard to get like USD USDC, right? On, yeah, on yeah, Ledin. Yeah. Because at the time it was like 12%. 12%. We bought some because I just had to, I, I, I had to see, is this real? Yeah. But then Ledin put in a nice piece of functionality on their website about three months ago where it was just this new button that existed. It said, do you want to click this button and change your USDC to Bitcoin? Mm-hmm. And the interest is less, of course, but it was just this button that you could press. And nice. I was like, okay, I'll try this. I pressed the button. It's like, okay, now you have this much Bitcoin. I'm like, yeah. the world is changing forever. Yeah. <laughs> the world is changing forever. So uh, anyway, Christian, yeah. um, you know, thank you for sitting down here. We didn't mm-hmm. get into, there's so much more to talk to you about, um, but we really, is there anything else that you wanted to share today that's top of mind? Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing your journey down to Panama. Uh, thank you for supporting Rockstar so much. You came across JP. We think the world, JP, for those of you listening, JP has been with Rockstar now. I feel like 12 and a half, 12 and a half. I was going to say 10. Okay. 12 and a half years. So JP Gulbis is one of the main coaches here at Rockstar that works with people like Christian. And I feel lucky to know you, JP, and, and we get to work together and then meeting great people like you, Christian, and, you know, getting to work here all together. And then I feel like all our interests are aligned where we're all trying to help each other out. And uh, yeah, I just, I just really feel thankful for this whole experience that we get to sit down here in the morning and drink tequila together. So thank Amen. you. 
Thank really you. good tequila yeah, too. Yeah. Thank you for this. And congrats, man. Congrats on doing this in Panama and pulling yes. that off. That's a big Thank achievement. You. Where is it? Is that the flag? That's Hold the flag. up the flag. Let's see the whole flag. Let's see the flag. Let's see this flag. This oh dude, you got a big you bought that when you were down there, I assume? Yes. That is a full sized flag. Yeah, very cool. I don't man. know where the camera is. But yeah, very cool. It's right there. It's right there. Oh, there. There you go. There you go. Hold on. Tap the mic. There it is. <laughs> Very cool, man. Very cool. Congrats cool. on that. That's a big thank accomplishment. You. Thank you. And thank you for sharing all this. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Hey, everyone. Hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Christian. I really love hearing these kinds of stories when someone's doing this kind of thing. I took away a lot from that. Christian, thank you so much for doing this. J JP, thanks for sharing as well. And if you are listening to this and you are not signed up for our weekly email newsletter yet, you can do that by going to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash newsletter. That's where you can get all the latest YouTube videos and podcasts and reports and books and events that we have going on. They're all announced there at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash newsletter. You can punch in your email and join that list. Until next time, everyone, your life, your terms. <laughs>